Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. What they discovered upon their arrival was almost unspeakable. We got all involved in some form or the dead won't bother you. It's the living you gotta worry about. Something if I couldn't keep them there with me whole, I, at least I felt that I could keep uh, their skeletons. Hello and welcome to the Bad Taste Crime Podcast. I'm Vicky. And I'm Janelle. Welcome back to another <laughs> week of this. <laughs> I don't, I'm like, I don't even know anymore. We spend so much of our time fumbling around in the dark. <laughs> yep. And that tracks. Then we come together on a Sunday to record. So that's a bloody the show. Sunday, if you yeah. will. <laughs> um, I don't even know what to start the top with, except for newsroom, I guess. Yeah, we're struggling. I'm very tired. This morning. Very tired, yeah. <laughs> For a lot of good reasons, some stressful reasons, but mm-hmm. it's all right. We're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about murder. Yeah. Uh, so with that, let's head over to the newsroom. So I totally missed, if this is your first time listening, special hello mm-hmm. to you. Our news this week comes from Ontario. Okay. Where there was just been a, there a, few times. a small misunderstanding. You've been there before? Mm-hmm. I've always wanted to go to Canada. I think it would be really fun. I used um, to go every summer for like a very long time. Really? Yeah. I, you know, honestly, that's not that uncommon where we're at because mm-hmm. we're so close to Wisconsin and just like the border of Canada. Yeah. Ontario is right above us. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I would love to go someday just to go. Just drive. Just go. Yeah. Just right to now. go gawk at the Canadians. <laughs> um, so from Ontario, um, police were called to a restaurant where there was an altercation happening. They said when they got there, there was an intoxicated man who was trying to chat up this lady at the bar. And during the conversation, he told this woman that he really liked the perfume that she was wearing. And then she told him she was carrying a gun and he got wigged out and called the police. That is one way to defuse a, do you want to go out with me? I have a gun. Yeah. Right. Straight up. I have a gun. So they went and talked to the woman who had, an entirely different story because yes, he did ask the, he said, I really like the perfume that you're wearing. And she said, Oh, the name of the perfume is Juliet has a gun. <laughs> so he thought that, um, so it's, she was saying something funny, like, yeah, My name is Juliet and I have a gun. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so this article, it comes from CP 24. It says that, um, Juliet has a gun is a brand that offers a variety of fragrances, including one that comes in a bullet shaped container. Mm-hmm. So police did a Google search to like, 
find out if it was legitimate and found out it was, I was like, oh, this is very clearly a misunderstanding. (laughs) But I just love that there is literally an article about this misunderstanding. Yeah, it was probably like really loud in the bar and he probably didn't hear the first part. Just like, what? Juliet has a gun. You have a gun? (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. I just think that's so funny. Okay, moving right along to Netflix and Kill. This week, we are talking about Take Care of Maya. I literally just watched that yesterday. Good timing. It, yeah. <laughs> As we record this, it has only been out for a couple of days. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a tip from a coworker actually, that this had come out. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, no, I haven't heard about this yet, blah, 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 blah. And it was like the next day that I watched it. So mm-hmm. uh, this is... The story of a girl named Maya, um, who at a young age is diagnosed with a very rare chronic pain disorder. Mm -hmm. Um, It is called, let me see if I can find it. Bunch of letters. CRPS, Complex Regional Pain Syndrome. (laughs) Um, So before she's diagnosed with this, she has to go to all these doctors. And it's because it's just not a very common thing. Mm -hmm. Um, They find out that what works as a treatment is ketamine Mm -hmm. treatments, which is also for this disease, a very common treatment. Um, they eventually go down to Mexico where she does like a four or five day ketamine coma, mm-hmm, which is freaky, which is freaky, but also w- immensely helped her um, until she has a relapse like a year later in Florida in the middle of a hurricane. And they have to go to the emergency room rather than their regular doctor in order to get treatment. Mm-hmm. This is where things start to go a little sideways. Um, yeah. Her mother, who is a nurse at this point, has taken extensive notes and records of everything that the doctors were telling her to do mm-hmm. and knows exactly what her daughter's treatment needs to be. But when she got to the emergency room, was viewed as pushy, demanding, suspect, and the staff decided to launch a an investigation into child abuse potentially mm-hmm. um there were th- suggestions of munchausens possibly and what essentially ends up happening is the hospital takes medical custody of maya from her parents accusing them of child abuse mm-hmm. so this is a very interesting documentary i'm not going to go any farther than that because there's some really sad shit it's honestly, yeah. it's all sad, mm-hmm. but I think you really need to watch it to kind of get the full impact because this is kind of the opposite side, I think, of child protective services. Like when people are talking about it, because a lot of times we're talking about sort of the inefficiency, which I guess this is sort of inefficiency, right? But um, well. a- <laughs> about being able to take children from their homes or like not doing enough to intervene in did really you, bad situations, right? Did you watch right? it at all? I did. Yeah. Okay. Because I didn't, I'm like, in case you didn't know. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, it's the child protective services is privatized in Florida. Yes. And I think that's the difference. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, and what I'm saying is like, normally that's the conversation we're having. This is mm-hmm. kind of the opposite side yeah. where it's like, they're par- all too eager. Because right. Right. It's private. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that is a big thing. There's um, specific staff that they point to. There was like a child abuse physician, or I forget what the actual title is, but it's like, a physician specifically for this type of investigation mm-hmm. that they pretty much rely on that is employed by the privatized yeah it's a cps services it's too incestuous for me <laughs> yeah. yeah um and the woman who was doing the investigation into them was also problematic oh, in yeah. a lot of ways she had been a accused of child abuse i think yeah and she was like really overtly like touchy friendly with the yeah. kids like in an, an almost inappropriate manner yeah they talk about forcing maya to take these pictures and yeah it's a lot um but i thought it was really interesting and frankly not something that i was super aware was like happening mm-hmm. i did not realize it's florida for you <laughs> yeah and frankly it's a nationwide issue mm-hmm. uh, but when they said it was florida it's like a oh, fucking course my views on florida are not positive as of late if i'm being totally honest i mean it's but, kind of becoming a very large dumpster fire down there yes yeah but that's besides the point yeah it's not a political <laughs> podcast um so 
I would definitely suggest watching it. Mm-hmm. I think it's definitely an interesting conversation. Yeah, the one thing that struck me about it is the recordings that the mother would take. She did a lot of documentation yeah. where she would record her which is good. interactions with like everybody. Yeah, which is good. And a, and a lot of it it wasn't for like sneaky reasons necessarily. A lot of it was to record the medical care that her child was getting. Um which I think is brilliant. Mm-hmm. But then came in handy later when they needed to file a lawsuit. So, you know, it's a very, um, it was, I mean, it was definitely hard to watch. Because also Maya, the daughter, Mm -hmm. has some very strong reactions and like deposition that she's giving later. And, you know, she's actually like interviewed later on in the documentary now that she's older. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, it's a tough watch. But well worth it and it's like an hour and a half long i think Mm -hmm. also so if you got an hour and a half to spare Mm -hmm. i would watch it it's called take care of my it's on netflix now (laughs) not an ad streaming (laughs) (laughs) all right this is that part of the show where we say content may not be appropriate for all listeners this week as we're in the midst of summer i think I can't honestly, I can't honestly remember when this episode comes out, but currently Mm -hmm. in our timeline, (laughs) it was 95 yesterday. Yeah, it was gross. It was nasty. I had to tell my partner that we need to put the window unit in now. Oh, (laughs) no. Officially, the window unit needs to go in. (laughs) Peace out, electric bill. Yeah. Well, it's actually not that bad. No. Oh, my God. I got my first bill for like. Um, and honestly, I don't even think this is the first bill that has like the full month of electric because there are still some days at the beginning of May that or and even like mid-May that like I didn't have anything on because it mm-hmm. was cool enough to just have the windows open. So next month is going to be really killer. But I already saw a big jump. And I was like, yeah, Ugh. my electric bill is always pretty reasonable. It never really goes above like sixty five dollars. It's the gas bill. That's yeah. my gas bill was fucking like atrocious. Sick. Yeah. But that's because I'm not using heat. Mm-hmm. God. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. So. In, old. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like my old Let's stuff. talk about air oh, conditioning bills. and electric bills. <laughs> um, so in light of summer, mm-hmm. uh, we, we got to talk about some beach safety. Beach day. <laughs> but also beach day. But you got to be careful out there. Um, yeah. Especially if you're on Chicago beaches. Yo. Have you heard about the Australia beaches? Kind of related to this, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, they have like hyena warning or dingo warnings because <laughs> dingo yeah. like waves of dingoes are attacking people on beaches. Yeah. And they're straight up. who got her baby taken by a dingo. No one Yes. The dingo ate my baby. I literally did. Yes. Oh, my God. Yeah, they had a – I saw a video. It was like a compilation on TikTok, I think. But it's literally like news clips from Australia right now of people la- like sunbathing on the fucking beaches and then being surprised when a dingo comes up and bites their ass. And then they're like, ah! and they like run away. I'm yeah, like, you need like, uh, like some dingo repellent or like put a tiny thing around you like a little cage. like Or just don't go children. to that beach. Yeah. Well, I mean, just saying. it's all the beaches. What are you going to do? I know. Anyway, <laughs> so I am going to talk about the Wanda Beach mur- murders, which also comes from Australia. Very nice. Yes. <laughs> that was not an intentional segue, but here we are. <laughs> um, so it starts with Marianne Schmidt. So Schmidt moved to Australia from West Germany with her family in 1958. She was joined by her parents, Helmut and Elizabeth. And How unfortunate. For her five siblings, <laughs> Helmut Jr., Hans, Peter, dog. <laughs> Peter, Trixie, and Wolfgang, which are, I mean, that's just like all screams Helmut. German. Oh. Helmut and Helmut Jr. Okay. <laughs> the year after moving to Australia in 1959, the Schmitz added a seventh child named Norbert. <laughs> oh. How unfortunate for all of these children. <laughs> yeah, I mean, really it's great the 50s. Nicknames. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the Schmitz eventually ended up settling in Tamora, which is near New South Wales, where they stayed for a few years. But the father, Helmut Schmidt, um, was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma, and he moved the whole family to Sydney, where they were able to find a house in West Ryde. 
And a year later, unfortunately, Helmut would actually pass from the Hodgkin's lymphoma. Um, so after moving to Westride, Marianne became really good friends with the next door neighbor, Christine Sherrick. Um, now, a little bit about Christine. She did grow up uh, with her parents, but when she when she was younger, but unfortunately, her father passed in 1953 and her mother remarried after his death and was living with her current spouse in northwestern it was like a northwestern city sydney suburb mm. and it's reported that christine chose to move in with her grandparents although it's not entirely clear why i don't know if there was like maybe something with the stepdad or just didn't you know Probably. she wanted to stay i wish i could have lived with my grandparents yeah <laughs> you know sometimes it's like get me the fuck out of here <laughs> yeah yeah so she was living with her grandparents which were the neighbors of the schmitz and once she was there, it was just a short time before Marianne moved in next door. And um, the two became really fast friends. In January 1965, Elizabeth Schmidt was admitted to the hospital for an illness, um, leaving the oldest Schmidt children in charge of the household. On January 11th, Helmut Jr. and Hans decided to stay home and clean the house while Marianne and her neighbor Christine um, took the youngest children to Wanda Beach near Cronulla. Um, this wasn't like a really uncommon thing. The beach was like a bus trip away. So they would leave early in the morning and go spend the day and Going to Chicago. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And as kids, I mean, they were just going on their own. These girls were teenagers, so... Just the day before, uh, the Schmitz and Christine had actually visited the beach. Um, according to Hans's later recounting, quote, they went to the beach early in the morning, probably around 8 a.m. All I remember was Marianne saying, yeah, we're going. See you later. And that was the last time I spoke to her. What actually happened when they arrived at the beach is kind of a debate um, because there's not a ton of direct witnesses uh, but according to the Sydney Morning Herald, it sort of went like this. The group arrived at the beach, but discovered that it had been closed due to strong winds. Uh, so they decided to go behind some rocks. Which, at like, the back then, how would you know? Right. Yeah. A sign. Yeah. Yeah. You'd have to physically Yeah. You wouldn't be able be to, like, like oh, look shit. online. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they literally showed up and they had a sign hung mm -hmm. that closed the beach. So they decided to go behind some rocks at the south end of the beach and have a picnic because the rocks, like, blocked the wind. Mm -hmm. Um, Christine separated from the group for a little while, but came back later. And then they decided to go to the sand dunes behind the Wanda Beach Surf Club around 1 p.m. By this point, uh, they were kind of bummed out by not actually being able to enjoy the beach mm -hmm. while they were there uh, due to the weather conditions. And the younger Schmidt children were becoming restless and were just like, let's get the fuck out of here. Like, yep. we want to go. <laughs> Which I can't even, again, I'm like. It's too many fucking kids. <laughs> even now at 33, I'm like. That's too many fucking kids for me yeah. to deal with. <laughs> um, so Marianne, Chris, Marianne and Christine told the kids that they – so they had left their bags sort of hidden away near the rocks where they were at earlier. So they told the kids that they were going to go get the bags and that they – just to stay where they were at in the dunes and wait for them to come back. Mm -hmm. Peter Schmidt would later give evidence that Marianne and Christine had walked off in the wrong direction and that he had called out to the girls to tell them, but they ignored him and continued to walk off out of sight. Uh, the younger kids waited in the dunes until 5 p.m. when they decided to go get their bags themselves and then head home. Mm -hmm. um, Marianne and Christine were officially reported missing around 8.30 p.m. that evening. The following morning, on January 12th, a man named Peter Smith had been walking along Wanda Beach with his three nephews around one and a half miles north of the Wanda Beach Surf Club. Smith noticed something strange in the sand and thought that it was a store mannequin. Never a mannequin. Never. And a box always has body parts. Just know this. Also garbage bags. Yes. Every garbage bag along the highway. <laughs> um, so he thought it was a, a mannequin that had been buried because it was just the leg sticking out. But he like went up and brushed some of the sand off and was like... Yeah. Oh, shit, this is a human leg, which I think about and I'm like, mm -mm. that would really wake me out. Ugh. Therapy for a long time. Oh, yeah. So he called the police. <laughs> Good job. Yeah, he called the police. 
at that time, Smith thought that he had only found one body. Uh, but when the authorities arrived and began investigating the scene, they discovered that there was not one, but two uh, bodies, that of Marianne Schmidt and Christine Sherrick, both aged 15 at the time. Both girls had scratch marks on their faces, uh, which indicated a struggle. Mm -hmm. And police also found uh, an approximately 37-yard drag mark in the sand. And they sort of at this point in time were hypothesizing that Christine had actually tried to escape and made it some way. Um, But and like so they're saying Christine was trying to escape while Marianne was dying, essentially. Mm -hmm. Um, But whoever was attacking them caught her and dragged her back to uh, Mm -hmm. where Marianne was at. They did try to find other evidence at the scene, but they were unable to find a murder weapon. Um, There was also this issue of the fact that they were on the beach. They sort of had to, you know, make sure that things weren't going to get swept away by the tides. There's Mm -hmm. tourists coming around and trouncing through things. And Mm -hmm. so, I mean, it always poses a challenge. The wind yesterday. The wind. Yeah. Yeah. When Marianne and Christine's bodies were autopsied, it was determined that Christine had a skull fracture from a blow to the back of the head and had been stabbed 14 times. Excessive. Okay. Excessive, yeah. Uh, Marianne had been stabbed six times and her throat was deeply slashed. Uh, Both girls had their underwear cut and semen had been found on both bodies. During later interviews and inquiries, Peter Schmidt told authorities that he had witnessed three young people sitting on rocks nearby while they were eating lunch, but didn't see that didn't see them again that afternoon. This is from the Canberra Times, quote, Hamlet said his eight-year-old brother Wolfgang had told him later about a boy he had seen on the day the two girls were killed. He said he saw the blonde-haired boy aged about 15 or 16 with cream on his nose and a blue towel over his shoulder on the rocks on the Cronella Beach, walking with Marianne and later walking along the beach by himself, end quote. Of course, there is some doubt cast on this recounting of things because Wolfgang was very young at the time Mm -hmm. that this was happening. That's the thing is like the kids that were with them at the beach were really, really young. Not to say a young person's testimony doesn't matter, but memory is a funny thing. Kids are funny things. Like Mm -hmm. it's, it's not all as black and white, I think as you would hope. Yeah. And because of that, his story has, shifted a bit over time also so take it with a grain of salt mm-hmm. i would say officially the girls were last seen around 12 45 p.m by a local fireman dennis dustin who witnessed marion and christine north of the surf surf club um, he claimed when he saw the girls they looked to be in a hurry and that one of them had glanced behind her as if she was uh, being followed but didn't see anybody else following them mm-hmm. which is suspect i mean yeah. it's just like that's creepy oh yeah i've definitely been a teenager where it's like this person is following me yeah following me yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, Police began searching for any sort of lead with the little evidence that they were able to find. Um, Although they had found a knife with some blood on it at the time, it was like the tip of a knife. Um, They were not really unable to, they they weren't really able to connect it directly to the crime. Um, Add to that the other reported six knives found and handed into police from the public who were just like, we found this knife on the beach, which... Fair enough. Yeah, I'm sure you find lots of knives on the beach. Oh, my God. Yeah. (laughs) And dozens of other knives found just like like around Sydney in general in case like they didn't leave it at the beach. They ditched it later. Yeah. Um, Again, from the Canberra Times, quote, a broken piece of a knife blade found near the murder scene soon after the bodies were found did not fit any of the knives handed into police, end quote. Um, police also said that they had interviewed around 7,000 people during their investigation, but didn't seem to get anything valuable. So this is going very cold, very quickly. Mm-hmm. There were three suspects. Uh, I, I will say that there was kind of one main suspect and two that are very iffy connections you know how this goes when a case goes cold there's a lot of theories yeah a lot of finger pointing local pervert (laughs) yeah 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 yeah. and like 
the connections are sometimes very loose where it's like one thing that's like they were there on the same day. It's like, they well, had sand in their shoes. Yeah. Guilty. Right. <laughs> uh, so these are the three, the three main suspects. Um, the first has to do with a, this is sort of, I would say probably the weirdest of the three. The first has to do with a former detective, uh, Sec Johnson, who had received a painting in 1975 from murderer Alan Bassett. Okay. Okay. Do you know where I'm going with this? I don't. <laughs> All right. But I'm here for the ride. Okay. <laughs> Bassett uh, was in prison for the attack, rape, strangulation, and bludgeoning death of 19-year-old Carolyn Orphan in 1966. The claim by Johnson was that the painting, which was called A Bloody Awful Thing, I tried to find it. I tried to find a picture of it and could not find a picture of it. But um, it showed the body of a victim along with a broken knife and blood trails. Okay. Descriptions sort of call it an abstract landscape. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Anyway, um, Johnson pretty much became convinced that Bassett was responsible for Marianne and Christine's murders um, because of this painting and like the similarities it had to the crime scene. Okay. (laughs) Uh, He, Johnson uh, was writing a book about this. He had become so convinced that he was going to release his book. Unfortunately, he dies before he can publish the book about the subject. Um, But his theory gets repeated by crime reporter, Bill Jenkins Jenkins is then sued for defamation in 1994. Um, But it sounds like the suit was dropped at some point. I'm not sure why. Uh, Bassett was released in 1995 and did submit DNA for testing in the Wanda Beach uh, case, but it has not been released if he's been cleared or not. They've never said one way or the other. I'm going to say by omission, probably not. (laughs) Yeah. But also there's part, there's part of me that's like, People, I think there's a certain amount of people who commit murders. Like if you've already committed a murder and then you're so adamantly like, but I didn't do that one. Mm-hmm. Like there might be some truth to, you know what I mean? Like, but can you really trust a murder? No. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. Um, the fact that he was just like, so at ad- the fact that he sued for defamation yeah. was like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, because these people are going to make a profit off of, you know, mm. a false story, allegedly. True, true. Uh, the second suspect is Christopher Wilder, who has mainly been considered due to his other crimes. So Wilder was convicted of gang rape on a beach in Sydney. Excessive. Hey, I don't want to go to Australia. Ever. I know. I know. <laughs> Dingoes, murder. Beaches. Beaches. <laughs> the whole place is a beach. Yeah. <laughs> so he, this might be one that we talk about later because he actually moved to the United States. Uh-oh. Uh, where he So m- many beaches to murder on. Where he murdered eight people <gasps> and became known as the beauty queen killer. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Eventually, he actually died in a struggle with police. Mm. So it's kind of, uh, th- again, this is like a very loose connection um the third and probably what seems like the most likely to me was Derek percy who really didn't become known to the public as a suspect until like the late 90s uh percy was found not guilty by reason of insanity in the abduction and murder of 12 year old yvonne tui in 1969 and received a sentence of life in custody Percy was able to be linked to the beach on that day, um, the day that Marianne and Christine were went missing, as well as a cartoon with the word Wanda written on it that was found in his residence in a 2008 raid. Hmm. Um, there was there was like another little phrase written on it that had a connection to one of the murders or the murder that he was actually found guilty of. Okay. So this is kind of why they're like. Oh, maybe that. But honestly, they don't really have any other solid connections, like anything actually tangential to like Mm -hmm. connect it. There were hopes that there would be a deathbed confession to not only Marianne and Christine's murders, but any of the nine missing and murdered children that he is believed to have uh, murdered. Mm -hmm. He died in 2013 at the age of 64 and he did not 
confessed anything he touched on on his deathbed. So if he did or knew anything, he has taken it to his grave. And they with didn't him. try to do any DNA evidence off of him. They may have. Um, I don't know. Oh wait. Hold on. I'll get okay. to that. It's in my next section. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was like, 2004. Oh, they could definitely yeah, yeah, yeah. DNA then. <laughs> so there was some hope. Oh, you're going to get real mad about this. Oh, no. There was some hope of getting some, throw it away. some sort no. of lead in 2012 when police announced they believe advances in DNA could help them move the case forward. Um, when evidence was collected at the time of the murders in 1965, one of the things that they had was a blood stain on the genes of one of the girls. Mm-hmm. So authorities tested the blood stain, saying that they had gotten a weak identity clue. This is 2012, remember? Mm-hmm. A weak identity clue indicating it belonged to a male, but they couldn't really determine anything else from the sample. <laughs> At the time, they were pretty confident that the tech would advance enough to give more information in the future. Um, and sitting here in the future, we know that was <laughs> true. Future. Yeah. yeah. Um, that that was accurate, though, because even from 2012 to now, which is not, not a long time, no. when we're talking um, like medical advances, like DNA technology and being able to uh, use it to identify um, yeah, these kind of suspects. Yeah, because now you can really do lots of familial stuff, which exactly. wasn't really available at the time. Exactly, exactly. Um, so they were correct in like hoping for that. And it came, here we are. However, two years later in 2014, when the time came to test DNA evidence, once again, police announced that some of it had gone missing. Yeah. Typical. Fucking typical. Mm-hmm. According to the Sydney Morning Herald, the semen sample that had been pulled from Marianne and Christine's bodies, quote, was listed as an exhibit despite but despite exhaustive searches of the Glebe Forensic Laboratories where it was housed, it had not been located, end quote. Um, they were quick to point out that further testing of the girls' clothes was ongoing mm-hmm. uh, and that they had found trace DNA on Christine's shorts, but it was too old and degraded to pull any useful information. Um, but a semen sample, semen sample seems like it could have been really helpful, like, probably the probably the most important piece of dna i would say yep i was wondering where that went because my thought initially was like they got rid of it you know with all sexual assault kind of cases most of the time the semen samples bye but blood stays right they keep the blood but not the semen yeah (laughs) and i i realize there is definitely like um a threshold where evidence does get lost, moved, destroyed, whatever, especially when you're talking about cases from that long ago in the mm-hmm. 1950s, like, and without them understanding what modern day people are going to need in order to solve cold cases, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I get that to an extent, but like, I also feel like you would look at a case like this and be like, the semen sample is really fucking important. Maybe we should take extra care, like yeah. mark it with extra. I don't, I don't even know. Yeah, it's not um, like the TV show Cold Case where it's like they they crack it because someone eventually confesses. Yeah. It's like, no. No. It's no. science that does it. <laughs> yeah. So, unfortunately, the case remains unsolved. Um, but that is the story of the Wanda Beach murders. You want to go to the beach now? Uh, definitely not in fucking Australia. <laughs> <laughs> Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Yeah. So, like, I don't like beach vacations, in case you didn't know. No. Unless it's, like, a New England, like, chilly October beach vacation. Is there a Spooky? reason specifically, or is it just, I like, not your sun. vibe? Okay. So it's not your vibe. <laughs> it's really. not my vibe. Really. I mean, I like a beach. I just yeah. don't like the sun. I I like the ocean, but I don't like to swim in it. You know what I mean? I will get down on some sun, for sure. Mm-hmm. I will sacrifice being in the sun if I can, like, be in, on, and around the water. Like, I just love being 
near the big bodies of water. Yeah. I don't I like to swim it. in it, but I like to, you know, I mean. Oh, I'll swim in put it. Put my feet in it and that's about it. I'll so swim in it. I've straight seen up. way too many videos of sharks getting closer and closer to, <laughs> to the coastline. I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's why, you know, internal lakes where we're at right? in the Midwest. As we always say, perfect. stick to the rivers and the streams that you're used to. Exactly. Right? Good advice. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, although there's, you know. A whole host of parasitic things in riverways. We don't talk about those. But it's fine. We don't need to talk about don't that. Don't look that we direction. Mm-mm. Leeches, no. what are those? No. <laughs> so we're going to stay on that side of the world. Okay. Relatively close to Australia, Thailand. Ooh. So Thailand can be so controversial. I don't think we... Have we ever been to I don't Thailand think before? So. And, and okay, I, thought, I don't I think thought so. so. So we're going to the island of, and I hope I don't butcher this because I don't speak Thai. No. Uh, Koh really? Tao. Okay. It's located in southern Thailand. It is the smallest island off the main island of Thailand. And it's like a vacation within a vacation within a vacation. Yeah. So a lot of people will go to Thailand and then they'll want to do like excursion stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, Koh Tao is more of an excursion thing, right? Like think about going to Hawaii and there's all the little islands you can kind of go gotcha. from there. So that sort of situation. Okay. This particular destination is more of a nature-based kind of vacation experience where people are doing a lot more diving and backpacking and hiking. Is it like so, jungly over there? Yes. Okay. Yeah, it's very much a small resort town. There's a hundred resorts on the island and like that's it. There's not oh. really anybody who's like living there. Is it a big island? No. Or is it and they have a hundred <laughs> resorts? Yes. And Damn. when I say resort, we're not talking like big resorts. We're not like sandals. Tiny. No. Okay. Okay. We're, we're talking smaller than sand. I'm imagining a hundred sandals on a tiny mm-hmm. island. No. And most of the people who work in this particular area are not from Thailand at all. So people will come over here, do a lot of work during the you know peak season and leave because okay. it's not a place where people really live. Gotcha. So the victims of this case are going to be Hannah Withridge, who was a 23-year-old from Hemsby, England, and David Miller, who was a 24-year-old from the island of Jersey. And I really want to go to the island of Jersey. You want to see where all the riches are hiding their money? <laughs> I mean, I don't know if that's Jersey necessarily, it but is. is it Jersey? Okay. It is. I have this it was, thing where I really want to go to Jersey and Guernsey, like those two yeah, islands. Yeah. yeah, Jersey, what, what, which one was it? It was the... One of the big leaks. Um, uh, a WikiLeak? Yeah. <laughs> WikiLeak-esque? Oh, was it yeah, WikiLeak? Yeah, it was one of the, it was, yeah, it was one of the WikiLeaks that was mm-hmm. like one of something papers. It was like, Pentagon Papers is all that's coming to mind. And I know that's yeah, not no, right. That's Watergate. About. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Panama Papers, there you I go. think. Yes, we've that talked was, about that. Yeah, Jersey bit. was like where everybody is hiding their offshore bank accounts mm-hmm. and all that shit. Yeah. Yeah. They're really beautiful. It's like being in the Mediterranean, mm-hmm. but you're in England. <laughs> Sounds nice. Yeah. I see like why they hide for- their money that's there. That's 40 year old birthday goal is to go. Over yes. There. Yeah. We'll girl. See if that happens, but you know. You'll get there. It's not. <laughs> never mind. I'll make it happen. <laughs> I was about to say, it's not that far away, but then I was like. But it's actually far more expensive than going to England. Yeah. <laughs> because you have to take a ferry or a private plane. Yeah. Yeah. The ferry's cheaper. I would take the ferry. Yeah, just for it the takes experience. a long time, though. It's like eight to ten hours. <laughs> Whatever. We'll just plan. hang out on a we'll boat. We'll plan it. I'm yeah. only 35, so yeah. it's fine. Yeah. I have five more years. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so um, both were students, and they were backpacking in Thailand, but not together. They were on separate trips with separate people. (laughs) Okay. Withridge had um, just finished their undergraduate studies in education at the University of East Anglia and started doing postgraduate work in speech and language therapy at the University of Essex. So this was like a, you know, fun vacation before I go back to school to do more work. Yeah, yeah. David Miller had just completed his undergraduate studies in civil and structural engineering at the University of Leeds and was starting on his master's degree journey. So they were both, you know, this was a big thing, you know, when you're in college is to do like a, in, especially in England, to do like a backpacking trip after you graduate. Yeah. I don't know why, but yeah, it's very is, common. And they're also close to a lot of places that close, I should say closer than we are in the U.S. Right. To mm-hmm. all of these like European countries and Eastern countries that mm-hmm. like we just don't have easier access to. Yeah. So 
they were kind of just doing their thing. Um, David Miller was traveling all over Southeast Asia with his friends. He did a six-week work placement in Australia with a mining company and then was doing like this little vacation. Okay. In August of 2014, both of them arrived in Thailand for their backpacking vacation with their separate friend groups. And the two of them actually met on the island and kind of hit it off a little bit. So like, you know, summer island romance. Okay, yeah. Summer loving happens so fast. Right? <laughs> and then you're dead. Oh, God. Oh, oh, sorry. That's not how the song goes. Oh, <laughs> no. Grease rated R. <laughs> right? God. Um, oh, my God. Can you imagine Grease as a horror movie? Sorry. Honestly, <laughs> I would watch the shit out of that. I would watch the shit that. out of that. Yeah. So, uh, Kowtow has a really bad reputation. <laughs> Earlier that year Oof. in April, a Belgian tourist named Elisa Dalamangi, I believe as I say it, was found dead on the island days after she had been reported missing from her hotel. Ooh. She was found on the beach. Cover your ears if you don't want to hear this. She was half eaten by lizards. Ooh, God. Yeah. Um, so she like had that. been there for a while. Yeah. And the authorities reported it as a suicide. But I don't know how they. Lizard. I don't know how they came to that conclusion because most of her body was gone. There was a lot of word that the authorities just tried to like quickly cover it up because they didn't want to have you know a bad reputation, even Mm. though they already did, and said that it was a suicide and they just found her on the beach. Especially Um, when you're talking about like a tourist town. Yes, her mother has done several interviews and talked about how her sister her sister her daughter did not commit suicide yeah and that 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 issue um is still kind of ever present they closed the case and won't reopen it um but her mother fully believes that she was killed yo now hannah and her friends and david and his friends went to this club on the island called the ac bar to hang out okay it was a classic nightclub on the beach and I, <laughs> I looked it up on Yelp. Okay. <laughs> Good reviews, bad reviews. What it's about. It is surprisingly still considered a top 10 bar on the island. Really? Despite there being murders right off the beach in front of it on more than one occasion. How many bars are on the island? <laughs> a lot. Oh, okay. I was like, but is there only 10 bars on the island? No. This is like a discotheque. So it's oh. like a a light up dance floor on a beach with oh, a bar like it's like a club club cute yeah um i still wouldn't be like yeah let's go because it's still a little sketchy and dark right off the dance floor but you yeah, know yeah so they went there they were dancing um david met hannah and they were kind of like you know schmoozing each other okay um it was reported around 1 a.m that the two left with each other and only a few hours later at 4 a.m their bodies were found Oh, tight timeline. <laughs> Wait, say it again. It was they left with each other at 1 a.m. and one their bodies four? were found at 4 a.m. OK, yeah, that's not very long. Yes. So Hannah was found on the beach and David was actually found in the shallows of the water off the shore. Not very far from her. Um, both had their clothes removed to varying degrees. OK, um, they were found uh, meters away from the beach to the resort where they were staying. Okay. Um, so the bar was not attached to the resort they were staying at. It was right next door. Okay. So they were walking from that beach bar just like along the beach, the beach to, to the, their resort, okay. which is a very common thing. Like when right. we went to the DR for my brother's wedding, there was a great little bar next door at the other resort so we did that and then on our way back we got hit up by several people asking if we wanted to buy drugs and we're like no thank you yeah (laughs) yeah, pretty common yeah i'm like nope don't do those bye yeah Yeah. (laughs) i'm trying to enjoy this moonlit stroll by the water so fuck off yeah yeah (laughs) so um yeah they were found really close to where they were trying to go okay around them which is like this seems like the most absurd scene so okay picture this beautiful beach Tide slowly starting to rise up, some palm trees. Yeah. Two dead bodies. Okay. And then we have a hoe, okay. a wooden club, three cigarette butts, and a condom just scattered between them. Okay. So a lot of stuff yeah. everywhere. Yeah. Now, because it was on the beach um, and it was like the early morning, the tide was beginning to rise really quickly now at 4 a.m. Mm-hmm. So authorities moved the bodies. Okay. 
And so essentially a lot of the evidence that they should have saved was getting swept away to sea. Kind of similar to the situation we had with yours. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I don't think like in mine, like the tide wasn't coming up that quickly Mm because it was like the next morning. This was Mm -hmm. whereas overnight, like obviously the tides are coming in a Mm -hmm. lot quicker. And with the wind changing. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm kind of like split on this because Mm -hmm. I understand especially the bodies themselves like I understand the need to move the bodies but like then you almost need to be faster on your evidence collection like exactly and you're on an island with a very small police force so like you're not going to be that fast right (laughs) unfortunately the bodies of Hannah and David were then taken to the medical examiner and it was determined that they both died of blunt force trauma okay Hannah also appeared to have been raped and probably beaten more because she had tons of bruising all over her. Um, She had uh, tearing of her skin and internally, and Mm -hmm. then bite marks all over her um, upper torso. DNA samples were taken off of her as well. David just had the blunt force trauma, a little bit of bruising, and not much else. Okay. Now, Right off the bat, the police were trying to investigate this really quickly and quietly. And because this was a resort island and these were tourists, they were trying to figure out who did it right away. Yeah. The police were immediately throwing around really wild accusations at other people traveling with the pair. But all of the travel companions were at the bar still when the bodies were found. So they were trying to be like, it was one of you guys in the group. And they're like, what the fuck are you talking about? We were at the bar the whole time. The other bizarre thing... Uh, this is so frustrating. Okay. Oh, this is going to get so much more yeah. frustrating. The other bizarre thing that they did was they started focusing on foreign workers who were coming to the island to work the resorts. That sounds racist. So, passing the buck on the immigrants. Ooh. They brought in 200 individuals to do DNA testing, most of, most of which were migrant workers working the resorts. Okay. Now, the other interesting thing about this location is there's a ton of CCTVs on this island, like a shocking amount of CCTVs. Yeah. Which one wouldn't think there would be because it's a remote Thai island, Mm -hmm. but because there are so many foreigners, it kind of calls for it. Sure. So in the CCTV footage that they pulled around the area, they saw three men riding motorbikes from a market to the beach where the bodies were found. Okay. Upon interviews, they realized that the trio had bought cigarettes and beer, which they had found cigarettes at the scene. So they were kind of stretching a little bit. But yeah. Like, maybe. The three men were Burmese nationals staying on the island to work. They brought in the trio to interrogate. And the three men were, and I'm so sorry, I'm going to butcher all of these names, uh, Mao Mao, Zalin, and Wei Fiao. When questioned, it was discovered that Mao Mao split off from the group of men before getting to the beach. So Zhao Lin and Wai Fio were the only two that actually physically arrived at the beach. Okay. The three were brought in on October 2nd for additional questioning. Wai Fio actually had left the island the following morning after the murder and had to be brought back by Thai authorities. Okay. <laughs> like left, do, do like they think, left like for fled? Work. Oh, no. So okay. with, um, it might have been a coincidence and it might have been on purpose. We don't okay. really know okay. for sure, but he had left the island to go work somewhere else. Okay. Um, okay. Zalin admitted in his initial questioning that he came into the country illegally and this gave the police leeway to seize all of his property. They kind of tricked the men because in their hour-long interrogation, it was alleged that the pair admitted to all their crimes. However, there is some speculations that they didn't admit to it because the Thai police brought in Burmese nationals off the street to interpret for them Ooh. because none of the Thai officials spoke Burmese. Yo. So I have a feeling, and so does a lot of the press, that the translation was not adding up and there was yeah. a misunderstanding happening. I'm kind of, even for like a small police department, I'm kind of surprised with the amount of Burmese migrants that they have working on the island, that they wouldn't have a Burmese translator. You know what I mean? Like, that seems like it wouldn't be a waste of resources. Like, that seems like it'd be a necessary... It's kind of the way that we treat migrant workers in other areas. Like, the United States, maybe a couple decades ago, where, like, police didn't bring in translators that spoke Spanish when they were booking people. Yeah, true. They do that now. Yeah. But back then, no. And they, and only, they do that now because people 
complained and oh yeah to get laws passed and <laughs> but this is thailand right right um, right, right they right. still have a king exactly um, <laughs> exactly um so i'm and there's also a lot of a lot of racism against other southeast asian yeah. peoples within southeast asia yeah, yeah so i'm not too surprised yeah. um but i do have a feeling that there was some things lost in translation yeah it's hard to say exactly what was said so shortly after their quote-unquote confessions they were brought before a judge pretty quickly they were then asked to act out the murders in front of a court and the media oh yeah Yeah. (laughs) so this cemented them as guilty because they were in the courtroom with the objects that that were picked up from the island you know that um wood thing the hoe saying this is how it was done so were Very they soap opera Were they acting out from like what they had put in their confe- quote unquote mm-hmm. confessions? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And okay. They had to be kind of led a little bit in the courtroom on what happened next, which should be an in- indicator that they My didn't do it. was given scripts and had rehearsal. <laughs> yeah, right? Jesus. We need rehearsal time for yeah. this. So several of the Burmese nationals that were interrogated that had their DNA taken initially, a lot of them went to the media after these two were um, brought before a judge. And they stated that when they were in custody just to get DNA tests, they were treated really poorly. Some of them were even assaulted. One person stated that they were burned with scalding hot water just coming in to give a DNA test. So there's a lot of conflict starting to arise, a lot of things happening where all of these Burmese nationals are saying, like, the police all treated us all like criminals before we were, you know, even attempting to assist by giving our DNA. Yeah. Allegedly, the DNA evidence that they took from the pair that were brought in matched, but there was a lot of mishandling of things. So it's hard to say if it was accurate. Because the DNA was gone. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Their DNA was gone. Oh, goodness. Um, There was also a false report that the victim's phones were found in the perpetrator's homes. So there was a lot of, like, misinformation going around. Things were getting lost. The DNA evidence was really sketchy. It was So, like, the DNA was gone because they had used it all? Used it all that they said? Yeah, and they're like, oh, we can't Um, retest. Like, you know, that kind of a thing. It it just seemed really sketchy. So you can't double check to like, God, Mm -hmm. God, Technically, you take another sample, but it's like... They don't know. They don't have any more DNA. Yeah, left. no. It, they DNA use it all is up. gone. Once it's used, it's gone forever. One and done. <laughs> so a lawyer then showed up from Myanmar, um, and the duo then were able to kind of get their shit together and retracted their statements and okay. stated that they had been conf- they had confessed under pressure and they had been assaulted while okay. they were um, in police custody. They stated that they had been beaten in interrogation, stripped naked, and left in a freezing cold room. Oh gosh. That's extreme. Um, yeah. Uh, to, so extreme that the Thailand National Human Rights Commission attempted to investigate the allegations. Oh, my gosh. But the police refused to comply with them oh, and gosh. did not go to any of the meetings that they requested. Are we surprised? Is anybody no. surprised by this shit anymore? No. Now, the Thai government had 20 lawyers. <laughs> Which is excessive and over the top. And um, they were really only allowed to meet with the defendant. Their own lawyers were only allowed to meet with them for like an hour or so. So the so. Thai government as in that the is trying the prosecutor. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, okay. They had 20 people working in and out of them. The um, the actual Bur- Burmese men had a few lawyers as well. So there was like a lot Okay. Of lawyers in this case, like an excessive Very amount. lawyery. Um, they initially were only allowed to meet with their clients for about an hour or so, so there wasn't a lot of preparation that was able to be done. Yeah. Um, they retracted their statements, and then the prosecution presented a 900-page police report, <laughs> which is like, you can't read that <laughs> within a few days. Um, they brought forward forensic evidence and the confessions. Um, the trial lasted 18 days. So wait, most- they got it in a, a couple of days before the trial started? They got the police report? Oh, yeah. my goodness. 900 pages. Yeah, that's- 900 pages. What? <laughs> the okay, trial guys. lasted 18 days, with most of the days being 10-hour days in the courtroom, which Oof. is like so long. That's a long day. That's like too long. Yeah. Now, the defense claimed that the investigation was flawed due to the mishandling of the forensics, lack of legal representation during interrogation, use of threats and intimidation to secure a confession, and intimidation of the witnesses. 
On July 10th, the court ordered the DNA to be retested. Police revealed that the samples from Withridge's body were used up, but were able to provide DNA samples from the murder weapons that were found around them. The head of the county's um, Institute of Forensic Science found that the DNA on the hoe did not match the defendants. Okay. An Australian forensic scientist brought in by the defense claimed that the timeline of DNA extraction was dubious at best. Sure. A rapid analysis of the DNA samples had happened in less than 12 hours, which she said was unusual because, quote, extracting DNA from mixed samples was difficult and extremely time-consuming, end quote. So the forensic scientists were ultimately not allowed to to kind of, you know, raise these issues too much. So they were, like, starting to talk, and they're like, yeah, no, that's good. Okay, we don't have any questions for you. <laughs> you know, like, trying to yeah, this is diminish why, the, the findings, basically. This is why when they're testing DNA, it can take, like, weeks to get back sometimes. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. like, so that's why they were saying, like, this doesn't really Yeah, that's sense. crazy. So, <sighs> unfortunately, <laughs> on December 24th, 2015, Zha Lin and Wei Fiao were found guilty Wow. of murdering Witheridge and Miller by three judges and were sentenced to death. Wow. Even though there was all of these things saying, I don't think so. Right. Now, the defense appealed several times, even taking it all the way to the Thai Supreme Court, which I didn't know existed. Um, and this was in 2019 that they took it to the Thai Supreme Court. Okay. So pretty so recently, recently. So 2015 yeah. to 2019. Wow. In a strange, strange fucking twist. The king of Thailand, Wachira Lung Khan, I, I phonetically spelled that so that I could say it right. Actually, I do that too. <laughs> he actually commuted the two sentences in August of 2022. Oh. So the men were released from jail. Okay. So like a presidential pardon of sorts. Right, right. The case is still considered really botched and open. It also affected tourism on the island for a while. And unfortunately... There have been four official murders of tourists since 2014 and several disappearances and even stranger, quote unquote, natural deaths that have happened on the island to the degree that they're saying that there might be someone on Kowtow that is a serial killer. No shit. Maybe if, oh my God. Okay, so. So that's the Kowtow murders. (laughs) Here's the deal. When you have these places that rely on a tourist industry, which I am not necessarily saying there is something wrong with that. Mm -hmm. um, But generally speaking, there is um, an inability by the government or the government representatives to acknowledge that the problem is internal. Like a lot of times it's because they don't. Like you said, don't want their image to be damaged by being uh-huh. like the people of this place are what's causing the problems. That's why they're so eager to point the finger at the tourists or at mm. the migrants or literally anyone else other than a Thai person. Yeah. So. I mean, who's to say it's not a migrant right. marker? But you, right. I mean, you're not doing your due diligence. No, 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 no. <laughs> not by any means. And the fact that they want to investigate it quickly, get it closed, not make it a national sensation to where it affects the tourist industry will in fact affect the investigation that they Mm -hmm. ultimately do. Yeah. That's it. While I wasn't like reading about this and writing it, you know, all this stuff in the news started coming up about the potential for a serial killer in Chicago happening with yeah. all of the bodies of these young men being found in the fucking lake. Yeah. Um, but it just kept making me think about that and all the parallels between, like, the fact that people don't want to admit when there's a fucking serial killer or, like, someone going yeah. to town murdering people. Yeah. It's gross. Because really stupid reasons, right? Really by not doing due diligence and not having a thorough enough investigation to actually catch the person that who is doing this, whether it's one or two or three or whoever, like the potential for them to continue reoffending if they are not caught is very high. Oh yeah. Because you're like, so, it's too easy. Right. So you're really making the problem worse. Yep. By just letting people, you are the problem. You are the problem. <laughs> it's me. <laughs> um, anyway. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot. So what did we learn today? Don't, Don't go, to, go the to the beach. <laughs> Don't go to the beach. Before you go to the beach, maybe check out this podcast. Stop yourself. Turn around. Stop. No go beach. back home and just listen to podcasts. 
It's God's litter box. <laughs> it really Ew. is. <laughs> yeah. We're the Vocal Fries. I'm Carrie. And I'm Megan. And we have a podcast about linguistic discrimination. We talk about language, not being a jerk, not judging people for the way that they speak, and we try to have a good time. We talk about things like vocal fry, swearing, Southern American English, and prescriptive grammar. You can find us on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Well, that has been our episode. Janelle, any final thoughts? I mean, no, I'm just reaffirmed that going to the beach for me is a no. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, all right. I think that's all we got then. For, that's the podcast. That's that's the podcast. <laughs> Our sound and editing is by Tiff Fullman. Our music is by Jason Zakshevsky, The Enigma. <laughs> this has been the Bad Taste Crime Podcast. We will see you in two weeks. Goodbye.